1960, the author Philippe Ariès published his controversial book, Centuries of Childhood, A Social History of Family Life. In it, he claims that, quote, In medieval society, the idea of childhood did not exist. So, let's travel back in time now and find out if the idea of childhood really is a modern phenomenon, what it was like to be a teenager in the Middle Ages, what age children went out to work for a living, and why Elizabeth Paston was beaten until her head broke. Welcome to Medieval Madness. A is for adolescence. In the Middle Ages, it is thought that there was no real youth culture as we know it today. It is argued that the concept of adolescence as being the period between childhood and adulthood didn't really exist. Boys and girls would play together in mixed groups, and it was usually the social status of the child, rather than their gender, that dictated who played with whom. Childhood was seen as a time of purity by some medieval theologians, which meant that sin came into their lives with the start of puberty, when lust could take over and cause them to lose their innocence. However, some medievals followed the teachings of Augustine of Hippo, who thought that a child was sinful from the very moment of its conception, an idea that arose from the Garden of Eden and the fall of man. As boys and girls grew into teenagers, their gender had a much larger influence on the way they were treated. Girls had to remain chaste and were watched over much more closely. Unlike a young man, she would move from one domestic backdrop to another when she either became a servant or an apprentice or she married. Young men would have been less concerned about staying chaste, although they had little freedom and would have to rely on their master for wages and follow his rules. The age of inheritance was 21, so financial independence could seem like a long wait. A is also for apprenticeship. From the 11th century, as the population of towns grew and they became cities, a diversity of jobs arose. Suddenly, there were many different professions to choose from that were better paid and more secure than that of a soldier or a farmer. Those in skilled occupations like a mason, a baker, weaver, blacksmith, or a miller formed guilds, which allowed them to uphold industry standards, protect their rights, guaranteed prices, and kept any unlicensed competition out. In the later Middle Ages, it was quite common for a child to be taken on as an apprentice sometime between the ages of 12 and 14, although some started to learn a specific trade when they were as young as seven. A boy's apprenticeship would usually last for about seven years, taking them into their early 20s. Girls would remain until they married. Once the trainee child had become a part of their master's household, he would be responsible for the child's welfare and they would be provided with somewhere to sleep, food, and clothing by way of wages. In return for this, the child had to promise never to gamble, visit local inns, or have sexual relations with anyone in the home, although they were encouraged to socialize with any other children in the host household. The biggest expectation was complete obedience. A lot of children helped out with small jobs and observed their own parents in order to learn a trade. Others would be taken on in a full apprenticeship role which had to be paid for by their own parents, so only those whose parents had enough money would be accepted. With some traineeships, which were essentially free labor, taking such a long time, many children were unhappy and would run away. If this became the case, then it was normal for both the child's father and master to take it in turns to search for them on alternate days. If an apprentice had not been found after a year of searching, then the master was not obliged to take the child back. Some traineeships took less time, a cook may only need two years of tuition, whereas someone as highly skilled as a goldsmith may take 10 years to learn their trade before they could open their own business. An apprentice's final task before qualifying would be to produce a masterwork, which would show off all that they had been taught. 
For those who could not afford their own place of business, travelling around from place to place to find employment with a master was an option, and these were known as journeymen. B is for the book at bedtime. Little evidence exists of medieval children having bedtime stories read to them, but there was definitely a culture of storytelling that went on in the Middle Ages, and some parents did write letters and stories specifically for their children to read. They were usually didactic, like the Book of the Night of the Tower. This tutorial was written by the Frenchman Geoffrey IV de la Tour Landry in 1371 for his daughters. It instructs the girls on how to behave at the royal court, and it warns that there are many sweet-talking courtiers who may possibly dishonour them and shame the family. It also counsels against the sin of vanity and takes a clear moral stand against what he believed was the bad conduct of his peers. Geoffrey, who had fought at the Siege of Aguilon during the Hundred Years' War, was obviously worried about the welfare of his daughters. Being a nobleman, he was also no stranger to the improprieties and intrigues of the French court. And he had also written a book for the instruction of his sons, but that book has apparently disappeared. The Book of the Knight of the Tower was translated into English during the reign of Edward V in 1483 by William Caxton, who was thought to have been the first person to introduce the printing press into England. Geoffrey's The Book of the Knight of the Tower became the most fashionable instructive treaty of the late medieval ages. It was also translated into German and Dutch. The German version was transcribed by Marquard von Steen specifically for his own daughters Elsa and Jacobea. C is for care. It has been argued by historians that during the Middle Ages, parents did not have as much interest in or affection for their young children as they do today. Our old friend Philippe Arias blamed this on the high mortality rate of medieval infants. He thought that the medievals believed that children had neither mental activity nor recognisable body shape, and were considered to be neutral things that were suspended perilously somewhere between this life and the afterlife. The fear of death was everywhere due to the prevalence of the plague and other diseases, and children were of course more susceptible because of their underdeveloped immune systems. Because of this, it's argued that their medieval parents were afraid to become too emotionally attached to them, as the possibility of death was particularly high, and their children were likely to die at a young age. Another reason that supported Philippe's argument included the fact that child murder seemed to be so prevalent during the Middle Ages. Up to the 13th century, the church sent child murderers to their bishop for penance. Then, excommunication for life was the usual punishment, but was later reduced to just 10 years. Writing just after the year 1200, the theologian Robert of Flamborough thought that a penance of 15 years was enough. If a mother had killed her child because she was destitute and could not afford to feed it, the exclusion from church was reduced even further to seven years. Pope Gregory IX recommended that a mother who killed her son willingly should enter a religious house. It wasn't until the late Middle Ages that the murder of a live child was seen as homicide. Most women who killed their infants were seen as having some sort of mental derangement. In 1275, Matilda Laving of Bourbon murdered her two children with an axe while suffering from ague and frenzy. She was released into the care of her family and was eventually given a pardon. More reasons for the idea of children being held in low regard by the medievals includes the high rate of child labour and child abandonment, as well as the extreme discipline that many children were exposed to. D is for Discipline. In the case of young people, corporal punishment was an acceptable form of chastisement for parents, teachers, and employers throughout the Middle Ages. The practice of physical beatings was approved of by both philosophers and educators as long as it was justified and not excessive. William Langland, the 14th century poet, recommended in his poem Piers Plowman that, quote, 
Tradesmen should chasten their offspring and not pamper them unreasonably through fear of the plague. Corporal punishment of children was not just for the lower classes either. In 1449, Elizabeth, who was the daughter of Agne Paston, the widow of William the Judge, refused to marry an elderly admirer. So her mother banned her daughter from seeing anyone outside of the household for three months and beat the girl at least once or twice a week, and quote, sometimes twice in one day and her head broken in two or three places. In 1458, nine years later, Agnes recommended that the master of her son Clement, who was 16 and studying in London, should quote, truly belash him until he will amend. Sometimes there were disagreements about how harsh a punishment should be. Some cases would be brought before the courts where the argument revolved around whether a physical punishment was appropriate rather than if the beating was excessive. If it was decided that the adult was guilty of meting out excessively cruel discipline, then they too could be punished. For those who were responsible for the education of a child or children, this might also reflect badly on them as it was thought that they had to resort to a physical punishment because of their own teaching. The Benedictine historian Guibert of Nogent, who wrote his memoirs in the early 12th century, describes his tutor as being incompetent in this way and punishing his pupil because of it. Guibert's mother hired a private tutor for him who joined the household and taught him between the ages of 6 and 12. The tutor exacted brutal punishments on him when he could not understand a lesson. Guibert knew that this wasn't because of his own stupidity, but because his teacher didn't explain himself very well. Guibert was beaten in the dining hall of his own house, which was being used as a schoolroom and believed he had been given, quote, a more severe beating than I had deserved. Later, his mother saw that his, quote, little arms were blackened and that the skin of his back was puffed up with the cuts from the twigs. Even if we find it hard to understand Adia's arguments that the idea of childhood is a modern concept, it has to be said that during the Middle Ages, with their cultural traditions and religious attitudes, a medieval childhood was a completely different experience than it is today. Thank you for watching. Please subscribe if you enjoyed these videos, and I'll see you next week for another one. Have a great week. Cheers.